0: Faith Promise is the last, it's the last Sunday today to pledge through the Faith Promise pledge, and this is a pledge that is in connection to all of our ministries that are connected to missions, and uh, we want to thank you as a leadership of this church from the bottom of our hearts for pledging last year five million rand. I hope some of you were also part of that, and I can can tell you that we are really blessed and uh, particularly God, and now we have to all pray where that money is going to, and then in what capacity? Because you pledged, you pledged 5 million rand, and what came in to date is 5,192,247 rand. i memorized that amount. Oh, thank you very much. No, I mean, praise God. Give him a clap, offering. <laughs> it's amazing. So it's more than 100% came in. And so last week, Sunday, we were at 3.3 million rand, and uh, today we stand at 3.9 million rand for the coming season. Of faith promised, and so we are still uh, hoping and trusting God um, by <coughs> trusting Him to speak to you and to continue to speak to you. Because um, although this is the last Sunday, um, we uh, we do have a website. On the website, you can still pledge. There is uh, pledge forms and uh, possibilities through the Headfield website. So please go online after tonight if you don't decide yet to do it tonight. We're still trusting a lot for another 300,000 rand. Um, So that the total will be 4.2, and um, but that's like kind of that's what then we want to do. Then we can do what we plan to do, but I mean, how many of you know that you can't outplan or outdream God? So shall we just trust a lot for 50 million? Why not? Um, But the the 300,000 I think is. uh, is is going to be in so if you want to be part of that blessing um, please take a card. right now there are some cards lying on the ends the ends of the rows of chairs if you haven't pledged yet have a good look at it fill it in front and back and there will also be later on a, a number on the screen that you can use an sms uh, pledge number um, i just want to share with you um, where some of the money went and, and is going so we have a a slide of the parents at the the houses that we have, the children's homes. And so, um, on your left you see Sean, um, that Gideon was just speaking about. Um, Sean and Chantal Alexander at uh, at Jabez House, and they have been involved for seven years with us, and they've got four children of their own, and then two adopted children, and they have fostered six children in those seven years. So really amazing, and uh, many of you have made that possible financially for us to support them. Um, Ron and Audrey uh, Etherton of Little Angels Home, they've been fostering for 16 years, and they've looked after 35 children to date. And then Antoinette Greiling uh, there are on, on top, now Lady House, and that home has been running for 11 years at, uh, through Hatfield Christian Church, and they've looked um, after 25 children uh, during that period. So it's just one of the many ways that we use the money to, um, to support these children's homes. So th- t- this Sunday was baptized, Hatfield uh, Beyond Sunday. And so we just as a leadership wanted you to know of some of these wonderful people. And we also want to um, really commend for some of you who've been involved in adoptions. Uh, maybe you've supported, um, you know, without anybody knowing you've supported or you've been part of adoption processes or fostering processes. Maybe your parents have or you have contributed in whatever way. And we just really want to thank you. And God is extremely pleased when we look after our orphans and after our widows, like the Bible instructs us to do. In this case, the focus was on orphans today. But we're really going beyond as a church and and we're hoping that we could continue to go beyond and this is just the beginning of a whole new season and a whole new release of, uh, not of charity, but of what God has instructed us to do and how we should take care of uh, one another. So when you've completed the cart, if there are cards, you can tear off the slip and um, just there are plastic uh, containers at the end of every row as well. You can just give it maybe through the row if people have completed cards, so you can get them everywhere. As in, right now, in the next three seconds, get the plastic containers. As in, listen to me and do what I say. Thank you very much. Get the plastic containers at the end of every row. And just, doesn't matter if nobody puts anything in. Maybe you've all done it already. Maybe you want to take more time and pray. That's totally fine. There's going to be pledge cards at reception as well in the coming weeks still. And you can go online. uh, I want to thank you for all of you who have already pledged in this evening service alone. Over the last couple of weeks of Faith Promise Pledge Season, this evening service, this part of our family has pledged 238,130 rand, and that's a lot of money for um, for how many we are on average in the evening service. So I, I really, I really think that is amazing, and so thank you so much for giving from your heart, God. Can I invite you up so I can pray for you long and hard and deep? And, no, just a very short prayer. Thank you for my brother. Thank you, Lord God, that you've given him a word for tonight to share. And anoint, anoint his lips, Father God, and make, make his heart to be in a place where, Lord, he can, he can sense that freedom that flows from the cross of Jesus Christ as he shares. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Good evening, family. Hey, someone's still awake. It's good. It's a real privilege to be with you all tonight. Um, My name is Garth Tarbert. I'm a staff member here at Hatfield Christian Church, and it's a privilege just to be able to share what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart tonight. Um, There were just a few things that that came up during the worship time that I felt were worth uh, mentioning. For instance, we could just take those lyrics, and I could just literally go through each line but they wouldn't mean anything if we didn't live them. So I really just want to encourage you, um, let's be, and, and I know it, it becomes a cliche, it becomes Christianese, but why must God speak to us if we're not going to do anything with what he says? So, so there, there's really just, I feel an admonishment from the Lord just to say, let's listen and let's do, let's, let's listen and let's, let's digest it and that, but let's not leave it there. Let's take it. And let it become part of our lives. And let's, let's literally, like Cadman, just saying, hey guys, there's tubs at the end of the rows. And then everyone sta- sits there like, who's going to be the first person that gets up and does this? You know, like. But there's, there's really, it's just that simple. Like get up, go do the thing, and, and let the process continue. Um, so there was also just something that I felt was worth um, mentioning was, may we never forget what it was like to be that lost sheep for whom he left the ninety nine because there are still other lost sheep sons and daughters and he wants to use us as his his church to go and be the ones whom he uses to help find them so may we never forget that when when i was worshiping here and there was that uh, the specific song of his relentless love and he leaves the the 99 for the one i was just having flashbacks of my own journey Um, and the lord was just really ministering to me like you know Remember where you were, remember when I found you, remember when uh, you were destitute, when you were rejected, when you were suicidal, (laughs) when you were cast out, when you felt so utterly alone, when I called you by name, literally, that's my story, is the Lord called me by my name from over my left shoulder with a voice that made me, um, yeah, nearly have to change what I was wearing. (laughs) Let us never forget what it was like to be that lost sheep. And let us never get so used to being part of the 99, but let's remember that, that, that. I think the Lord just wants to bring that to our remembrance tonight and just to say there's a reason why we gather together, you know, it's so that he can use us, that we can do his word, you know, that we can do his will. So tonight I, I have the privilege of sharing with you about kingdom living and we've, got a, we've been on a journey already um, for the past, yoh, this whole year actually, a community on a mission, and there's, there's been so many things that we've been focusing on. But we've been focusing specifically on the king and his kingdom, and just different perspectives, just the fact that he's an extraordinary king, um, that we're part of an extraordinary kingdom, citizens from a different government <laughs> that gets to live in this world but not be of it, ambassadors of Christ. And I just titled tonight... Dost thou follow me, which is old English. Funny enough, my wife actually came up with this acronym earlier today. Dost thou follow me, which is old English for do you follow me? And as we, as we work through tonight, um, I trust that you'll be able to just see what DOST stands for. And I hope that you can walk away with that tonight um, into your week and, and that, you would actually just, that it would become part of your DNA, that it would become part of your response to the Lord. So I just want to do uh, start by reading from Mark chapter ten, from verses seventeen through to thirty-one. If you guys don't mind turning there or scrolling there, I might be reading, uh, you know, something here yeah, that uh, I may do wrong reading. So you guys are more than welcome to correct me, you know. So, if, but if you're not looking at your Bibles, then you know you can't catch it. You guys ready? Mark chapter 10, verse starting from verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But at these words he was saddened, and he went away grieving For he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So interesting how they said, How can anyone be saved when he's talking about a rich man? Very interesting as well. It's like they realize he's actually talking about all of us. How can anyone be saved? But Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. It's like Pastor Letzolo said this morning, Eban, how, how can you say that to us? You know, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, but also along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be lost and the last first. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It is powerful and energetic. It is able to make the finest of distinctions, even between soul and spirit, where they meet, where the one ends, where the other begins, how they work together. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your word that was made flesh, that tabernacled among us, that came to show us what you are really like, and came to show us who we are supposed to be like. Thank you for Jesus, that put on our skin, that walked in our shoes, and that came to show us the way, not a way, but the way. And we just pray tonight that you would stir in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence here, that you would help us to hear you and help me to speak of you tonight. That we may follow you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Stir it up in our hearts tonight. There's been so much ministry tonight already. Lord, you've been touching our hearts. You've been, you've been getting your, putting your sleeves up and getting messy with our lives tonight. And my prayer for us tonight, Father, is that you would make us real. And that you would help us to be real with you. And that you would help us to genuinely follow you. Not sometimes, but all the time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This portion of Scripture appears in all three synoptic Gospels. And it was, it's so important that they included it in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The interesting thing with that as well, and that the references for that is Luke 18, verses 18 to 30, and Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 30. The interesting thing with this chapter in Mark is that Jesus addresses two specific scenarios just before he enters into this, um, this conversation of, with, this, with this young ruler, as some of the scriptures say, or this young rich man. And the first thing he addresses is the issue of divorce. And he uses that and brings across the importance of marriage. And he's saying, you know what, Moses gave you this command that you can get divorced because of your hardness of heart. But he says, in the beginning, God made man and woman. And his whole intention is that that man would leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, that the two would become one. And in God's sight, he's saying, they become inseparable. And there's an aspect of devotion that I want to speak to you tonight about. And we'll get into that. The second thing that that Jesus addresses is this thing that he says, the disciples are keeping the children from coming to him because now he's this VIP in their minds. <laughs> and he's actually coming out to serve. <laughs> and so he says, don't stop the children from coming to me because for such, as, for such as these belongs the kingdom of heaven. And it almost makes me think of his secret conversation with Nicodemus that one night, as you read, I think, in, in John chapter 3, where he says, unless you are born again, Unless you become born for a second time, unless you become like my child, born of the Spirit of God, you cannot enter or even recognize the kingdom of heaven. There seems to be something connected there. And it's from that place that this young man's heart is stirred, and he says he comes running to Jesus. He throws himself at his feet and he just says, Lord, what can I do to inherit eternal life? You know? The interesting thing about Jesus—not the interesting thing—the fact about Jesus is that, as much as he's our savior, he's also our Lord. And it's something that I've said over and over again when I've had the opportunity to share in the service: is that it's one thing to find a savior; it's a completely different thing to follow a Lord. It is not the same thing. Oftentimes, and I was there myself. You'll see people coming for altar call after altar call, week after week. And it's because they found Jesus, but they don't realize that they have to start following him as Lord. So they're still stuck in that thing of Savior, Savior, Savior. But the next step from there is Lord. The interesting thing with the word Lord is that it also means owner. And he is the Lord of heaven and of earth. The earth and the fullness thereof belongs to him. That includes us, made in his image yet fallen. And he's come to restore his image inside of us. There's this, there's this important part of our journey with the Lord, which is the fact that he is our Lord. And tonight, Jesus is not confused about who he is. <laughs> he said to the Pharisees when they were saying to him, when he was talking about Abraham, they said, you talk as though you know Abraham, but you're not even 50 years old yet. And he says, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> and they picked up stones and they wanted to stone him. When Moses encounters the living God at the burning bush in Exodus, I think it's four, wherever it may be, he asks him, Who must I say sent me to Pharaoh? And the Lord says, I am that I am. Any of you that have been in the life training school, you're at the church, there's a teaching by Dick Foth called After I Win the World, Who Am I? And he speaks and he says, I want to suggest that that is the most secure name in existence. I simply am that I am. I don't do that I do. I am that I am. I am God. I'm not confused about who I am. And Jesus is standing in front of us tonight saying, I'm not confused about who I am. I am. Before you were, I am. But it's often us that get the lines a bit blurry. And we often put our experiences of the Lord above his truth and above his word, and we start to water things down and say, well, it can't be like that because of my experience, but actually, we always need to put our experience under the truth of God. We always have to weigh it that way, and so Jesus essentially, in this this thing of kingdom living, dost thou follow me? The D stands for devotion, and the King of kings, the Lord of lords, when we have a desire. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, that's where he starts. Do you want to come after me? That's where he starts. What is your desire? And then he goes into these specific requirements. And the first one that I want to mention to you guys is devotion. He requires our utmost devotion. Devotion. I know that many of you may not be married, but I'm sure you've had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And if you haven't, that's also cool because you're waiting for that person that you trust in God for. Or maybe you got the gift of celibacy. I don't know. (laughs) But there will always be this factor of devotion. (coughs) Devotion in a relationship. Can you imagine being in a relationship? Say now you're married, okay? I'm married, and I know that many of us sitting here are married. Can you imagine being married to a spouse who's not devoted to you? It's like, well, my best friend that is still of the opposite gender, I still love meeting with them once a week and sharing all my heart stuff with them. And, you know, and, you know if, there's, if, you, if you get a bit sick in that, like, you know, you're on your own, um, I, you know, I'll call someone else to come and You know, like, can you imagine being in a relationship, a covenantal relationship, where the person that you are covenanted with is not devoted to you? You know, when you're walking down the street and then, you you know, that beautiful girl or that hot guy comes walking and then, you know, that you guys are holding hands because you're not in this marriage. And, and then it's just like, <laughs> you know, why do we think that it's any different with God when he asks us to be devoted to him? It's like we're just like, you know what, Lord, I, I, you know, I just, I just want to go and do this thing. I just want to go speak with this person. I just want to go look at this or do that. And I'll get to you just now, you know. In other words, you're not my priority. In terms of just some basic steps in regards to devotion, Jesus, when he started sharing about the kingdom, he said, repent. Repentance is that I was going in a specific direction, and I had an encounter with Jesus, and he challenged me, and he actually invited me. He actually showed me how hollow my life was. He showed me how stuck I was in my sin. And I encounter a Savior. And He saves me from that which I was stuck in. And I turn around from the life that I was following. I change my thinking about it. And I choose a new way. And I choose to follow Him. And maybe you're there tonight. Maybe that's where you're at. And we're culminating into into a time after this. There's also this thing of being baptized. Baptized, I was baptized five times because I thought when I get baptized the first time I'll stop sinning, you know, <laughs> and that didn't happen. And I was confused because I didn't understand. Did I have to get baptized five times? No, but I did. At least the fifth time I caught something. I understood something. But it is, it is a, a complete identification with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It is saying I am in the hand of God, and no one can snatch me from his hand. I have identified myself completely with him. It is no longer I who live, but it is the image of God that has taken up residence inside of me, Christ. And the life I live in this body, I don't live for myself, but I live for him and even with him. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality. That takes place when we, are, when we say, Jesus, I'm devoted to you. I, I'm dead. I leave my old life behind. And I, I am, I'm part of your death. And I'm part of your burial. But I'm also part of being resurrected with you. The second thing that our king requires of us is our utmost obedience. How many of you have heard of the five love languages? Uh, most of us. Can you guys just shout out the five love languages? You know what they are? Quality time. Quality time. That's the one I often forget. That's a good one. <laughs> Words of affirmation. Physical, Physical touch. Yeah, that's a cool one. <laughs> Gifts and acts of service, right? Does anyone know what God's love language is?
0: <laughs>
1: there we go. This guy's clever. I ignored you, Mike, because you know you're a top dog in a. But I don't know. I don't know this guy, so I'm giving him the benefit of that obedience. Can have any of you touched God? You know, there's all these things. But the scripture is very clear: If you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will do what I ask you to do. It's not a suggestion; it is a command. It is something, he requires our utmost obedience. And if you claim to love God, we show him our love in his love language. We don't decide what his love language is. He's set already. It is obedience. It's that feeling you get when, man, I know I need to say something now. And I commend everybody that came forward to share the word for the mic. Hidden was saying, man, the stuff was so spot on. I couldn't not release any of those words because it was the Lord. And I commend you guys for taking the courage to come up and say, sure, I've got to stand in front of people and share this thing. But that's obedience. The people that got up and picked up the the plastic tubs eventually, (laughs) you know, thanks. You made the, the, the volunteers at the back, you know, stop sweating because otherwise they would have had to come and sneak in and try, you know, you were obedient. God's love language is obedience. In terms of obedience, he also requires our submission. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That denying yourself is this thing of, I put aside my own will, and I submit myself to the will of God, to take God's will up and to go with it. There's also this thing of humility, is to say, Lord, you know best, I don't know best. And the beautiful, we've been, like I said, I could have just taken these words from the, from, the, from the songs we were singing and just read it to you guys and say, there you go. Are you going to do it? <laughs> okay, that's cool. We really sang it and it was awesome and I felt it, but are you going to do it tomorrow? <laughs> you know? Uh, the, yo, check out this one, guys. This is amazing. Uh, you know, are you actually going to live it out this week? <laughs> the thing with obedience is that it doesn't require Understanding. I don't need the whole blueprint and the whole plan before I can actually do what God has asked me to do. Obedience doesn't always require understanding. If he says jump, then you need to jump. I was in a situation where I got robbed last week Sunday, and I had a check in my spirit where I knew the guy through the traffic was coming to us. How would I know that? Maybe he's just walking through traffic. And the first thing is, he's coming to you, put your windows up. I didn't. I assumed he was going to be a beggar. And I ended up getting robbed of my phone. I wasn't obedient. And sometimes it really is this thing. You can't change the situation afterwards. It is like split seconds. But what can I do? I can learn from that scenario. The third thing that our king requires of us. Remember, we find a savior. And the first time he came to earth, he came as a savior, right? To come and to seek and save that which was lost. The second time he's returning, he's coming as a king. (laughs) Man, and we've got to be ready. (laughs) Our king requires our utmost surrender. Now, surrender is very different to giving up. Giving up is almost a resignation. It's almost an apathetic gesture. It's almost an indifference to say, well, so what? Okay, so whatever, I gave up. You know, I give it up. There we go. But surrender is actually a conscious handing over of control to the Lord. It is is me saying, Lord, this thing, I, I literally handed over to you. I'm not giving up on it. I'll even be faithful in prayer with it, but I'm handing this over to you. I'm handing myself over to your will. I'm handing myself over to listen to your voice and not just write it in my journal and say, oh, that's lovely. One day. I've actually written it down because, man, I'm going to action it when I get up from that desk. I'm going to digest it. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to be faithful with it. I'm not going to forget about it and just be like, have you ever wondered why the Lord has become silent sometimes? I've seen it in my own life. I've written so many nice things down in my journal and then eventually become silent. And when I come back to him, he's just like, you haven't done what I asked you to do. (laughs) I'm not going to give you more stuff, you know, (laughs) like. Why must I say more? Because you, you're obviously ignoring what I've said to you. I struggled a lot with my anger. Sometimes I still do. <laughs> but 2008, I was in Year of the Life. I was leading a house of 40 guys. I had some guys that were very difficult. A few, or one or two of the guys that actually got kicked off the course in that because of various things. And I had a lot of anger issues that I was still dealing with in my life. And one day... One of the pastors, senior pastors, yeah, counseled me. And long story short, I, in, this, in this, this prayer session, I saw the Lord standing next to me. And I say, the, the pastor says to me, do you see, do you see Jesus in the situation? I said, yes. He's standing next to me. I can see his feet. So he says, well, why don't you look up at his face? So I'm like, oh, okay. That's a good idea. So I look up at the Lord's face. It's light. It's bright. And he just extends his hand out to me. And he just says, give up all control. And for the first time in my life, that anger issue that I had, I realized it was all about when I am not in control. And the Lord extended in that moment like that had happened a week or so before. It was the most recent one. And he just said to me, give up all control. And now every time when I struggle with my anger, I have that reference point, the word of God himself speaking to me and just saying, give up all control. Will you surrender to me? It has changed my life. The thing about surrender is also waiting upon the Lord in order to act in his time and in his way. It's not about doing God's will my way or getting a prophetic word and painting it in and really trying to make it happen. It is literally about trusting him. It's surrendering myself to his will and saying, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to be passive in this. I'm going to be proactive and I'm going to wait on you actively for your, your way and your timing. Lord, do you want me to speak? Like often the Lord says, speak to that person. We say, okay, cool. But have you asked like David? David always goes back in the scripture. You can see it. He always goes back and says, Lord, should we fight against the Philistines or not? And the Lord says, yes. And does he just run out and go and just slaughter the Philistines? No. He always asks the next question. And he says, Lord, how? And then the Lord says crazy things like when you hear the sound of marching in the mulberry trees, then you know the victory is yours. Or like Gideon where he says, you know, Take a trumpet and a few candles and, you know, we stand on the mountain and and shout kumbaya and then you're going to win, you know. But if we don't stop to ask the next question, we're often going to do the wrong thing. So I'm going to come to somebody in a very, oh, you know, I really just want to let you know that the Lord, but maybe the Lord wants me to run up to somebody and embrace him and just say, you know what, the Lord loves you. In his way and his timing. The fourth thing that, the, that our king requires of us, remember, finding a savior and following a Lord is very different. This is what our king requires of us, is our utmost trust. Give a thousand rand away to the person sitting next to you. Your Lord, but I mean, that's my rent money and it's due, it's already overdue, you know? Give your thousand rand to the person sitting next to you. You know what I'm saying? We've all had situations like that. But Lord, I don't understand, but Lord this, but Lord that. And he's just saying, if you've heard his voice, are you going to trust him? The young man that came to Jesus in in Mark chapter 10 and and the various other portions of, of the Gospels, it says he walked away saddened that Jesus had said to him, one thing you lack take everything you own, all your wealth, sell it or whatever and give it to the poor. And it's almost like he didn't hear the invitation of Jesus that says, and then come and follow me. He walks away. That story could have been very different if he realized that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to this Lord that had just said to him, come, follow me. You think you've got wealth, but man, I'm wealthy. (laughs) I am. And so often we do that with the Lord. We're so afraid to really trust Him. We sing these amazing songs. We have really strong emotions. And then when you wake up tomorrow at 5, 6, 7, some of you guys wake up at midday. That's cool. That's awesome. And then it's gone. And I'm back to square one again where it's like, maybe it's my heels are in the ground. Maybe I feel the Lord's being silent. Maybe I feel I'm not good enough or I've disappointed the Lord. And then all those strong emotions are out of the window. But as you can see, yeah, these are attitudes. These are postures. These are not feelings. Our king requires our utmost trust. And this poor guy didn't realize that he's talking to the wealthiest person in existence and saying, come and follow me. He walked away thinking, man, I'm the wealthiest guy and I've got to give everything up. Poor me, woe is me. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is addressing him and saying, why don't you come and follow me? Because I'm wealthy. (laughs) I hold stars in the palm of my hand, you know? It's like I was there in the beginning when I even made gold and diamonds and coal and all these things that you human beings think are so valuable. In his presence, will we trust in his presence, in his provision, in his protection, and in his faithfulness? He requires our utmost trust to, to trust that he is the truth, that he is the life, that he is the way. So tonight, my question to you, and I've just worked through this, this briefly, I don't know where you find yourself tonight. Perhaps, and these are just some questions I want to ask in terms of dost thou follow me, D O S T. Devotion, obedience, surrender, trust. Devotion. Are you devoting yourself to him? It's exceptionally difficult, I know. I've got twins. Life is crazy, work is crazy, all these things. There's so many issues in life that come and go and whatever, whatever, and it's difficult. I'm challenged by these things myself. But are we devoting ourselves to him? Are you devoting yourself to him? And that's going to look different for each of us. In terms of obedience, are you obeying him? In terms of surrender, are you surrendered to him? Or are you still holding on to your little plans? You know, the guy with his wealth walking away and, and, you, and the Lord saying, give up your life, that, that hollow life that you think you have or you think you want. And we walk away feeling sorry for ourselves, thinking, yes, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. And we forget we're talking to the wealthiest person that, that lives <laughs> or that he's talking to us. Trust. Are you trusting him? Because all of these things mean nothing if we're not actioning them. They're just going to lie dormant in a journal. They're going to lie in your heart and they're going to bug you. And sometimes people ignore it so much that their consciences don't even bother them anymore. And the voice of God goes silent with the conscience as well. Maybe you've actually never embraced Jesus. And if there's anyone sitting out, I know that there, there, I think there is, because all the ministry and stuff that was happening, it's clear that there's, there's someone here that hasn't fully embraced Jesus before. And there's space for you tonight. He's extending out the invitation and saying, you've heard the gospel. You've heard this good news. It sounds too good to be true. But what you've got already is hollow. <laughs> what you've got already is contributed to who you are sitting in that seat will you trust me and it's literally about saying hey khari jesus jesus khari you know <laughs> it's literally about introducing you to a real person someone that you can actually know or perhaps you've actually gone wayward something's happened you've been asking the question why me lord as our lovely drummer was saying earlier. Maybe you need to come back to him and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm confused. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I thought it had to be a certain way or I had to be perfect before I could come to you. I'm sorry for drifting. So I'd like to invite the team up just to, just to assist. But with the time that is left, Even the prayer team, I'd like to to welcome you to come to come or just to be already on standby. Tonight tonight I really feel that the Lord wants to he wants to move forward with each and every single one of us. And and like I say, I don't know where you're at, but he does. And maybe you've got your heels in the ground, he's been pressing you for something. Maybe you're struggling with being, devoting your life to him. Maybe there's things in your life that are competing, like that spouse that is looking around or, you know, where you feel like you're not devoted. Maybe there's things that are competing for your devotion. The Lord is present tonight. I believe that we've all experienced his presence here tonight. And it's not a feeling or a sense. It's literally that he is present. There's actually, even if you haven't experienced his presence, there's nowhere on the face of the earth where he is not. (laughs) Actually, there's nowhere in existence where he is not. So he's right next to you. He's under your seat. He's above you. He's all around you. (laughs) There's nowhere that you can flee to to escape from his presence. He's here, whether you believe it or not, actually. His reality defines our existence. (laughs) It's in him that we live and move and have our being. It's like, you know, he lets the sun shine on the righteous and the unrighteous, lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust. It's like, but there's always that invitation extended out to say, come, I love you. I've done everything for you. You don't have to be perfect. Come to me who is perfect and I will perfect you. You're still smoking. You're still stuck with your addiction. You're still struggling with your obedience. Just come to me. Won't you let me come and help you? So I, I'm not going to pray a prayer that you can pray for yourself. <laughs> I'm not going to lead you in any specific words because you know where you're at. As I've been speaking with you, I really trust that the Holy Spirit has just been, just been flowing through your heart and your mind and your life. Maybe there's something you need to repent of. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's an obedience that you haven't executed yet. He's longing to move forward with us. He's longing for us to become the people that live out these songs that we sing. Because otherwise we have a form of godliness that lacks power. (laughs) We've got a lot of emotion, but we've got nothing to show for it. And eventually, if we carry on with that, he says, Stop making this noise. Stop giving me lip service because your lives don't line up. He talks in Isaiah 58 about a true fast. And that whole portion of, of Scripture doesn't have anything to do with not eating food. It says, you know, you, you, you abuse your laborers. You know, you, it's all about a lifestyle. It's a conflict of two lifestyles. And he's saying, but if you live in this way, that's actually what is acceptable and pleasing to me. So prayer team, if you can come forward. If you want to come forward for anything specific, even to confess your sin, even to just confess your disobedience, even to confess Christ, and say, you know what, tonight I'm making a decision because I can't pass this up. I want to encourage you to come forward. I'm going to pray and just close the service. And with that, if you've got a phone that's got a calendar on it, why don't you schedule that thing that the Lord has been laying on your heart? Why don't you talk to your best friend next year and just say, hey, the Lord's been saying this and this and this and I just want, to, I want you to hold me accountable. And if you forget, I'm still determined to do it. But may you be obedient. May you be devoted. May you be surrendered. And may you trust Him unwaveringly, unflinchingly in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, that you come to just find us and work with us, Lord. You save us, but you also want us to follow you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us. You even want to come and inhabit us. You want to be our roommates on the inside, our housemates. Our paraclete, you come alongside us. Thank you for the gift of you. Father, tonight I pray that wherever your people are at, Lord, that they would have the boldness to just acknowledge and from acknowledgement to move forward into action so that they can become who you destined them to become. Just pray that you would not let us forget about you as we leave this building as we go into our busy lives and our crazy schedules. Help us to be the church that you died for us to be and help us not to forget about the lost sheep out there. Help us to remember what it was like to be one of those sheep so that we can co-labor with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray because you are the real deal and we trust in you. And with that, be blessed, go in the name of the Lord, be filled with the Spirit, and journey with Jesus. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to be, to be here this evening and to share with you guys, and I really want to encourage you, especially if you feel that um, you want to commit to Christ tonight, please come forward, we would love to pray with you, we'd love to minister to you, and if there's any other prayer, just come forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week, guys.